Hey friends, super excited you're here. Welcome back to Moonshot Entrepreneur. Today's episode will kick off a series on characters in the Bible and their personal life transformation. The goal is to give you inspiration for your own God-led life transformation. So there are plenty of lessons we can draw from the characters in the Bible. And in case you're wondering, yes, they apply to this day and age. And ultimately, these lessons help us to live our life differently and not to reinvent the wheel. So the first character we'll look at today will be Moses. Um, we'll have other people in the series, other characters, but today we'll start with, with Moses. And your first gut feeling might be that Moses is this old ancient guy who is so far from your day-to-day -day reality. You might doubt that there's anything you can walk away with, but I promise you that when you are done listening to this episode, not only will you see Moses in a different light, but also have plenty of takeaways for your own life transformation. So let's not wait around, but dig into this episode. Hey friends, welcome to Moonshot Entrepreneur. This is the place where we partner with God to build His custom design calling, for our life. In this podcast, you'll get laser focused on aligning your life with God and you will learn the strategies to implement true change. Along with that, you will also learn to create the time and income for the amazing dreams God has for you. Sounds like a moonshot? Well, set your expectations high because when we dare to partner with God, anything is possible. I promise you that we're going to have a ton of fun on this journey together. So grab your notebook and pen and pursue with me your God-led life transformation. Let's go. Before we get into today's episode, let me have a moment with you. If you're feeling alone on your Christian journey or simply would like to hang out and be inspired by other Christian entrepreneurs and employees, just like you, join the Moonshot Entrepreneur free Facebook group. The Moonshot Entrepreneur Facebook group is a place for encouraging and inspiring each other on our journey. You can speak about and also read about anything like faith, daily struggles of business, strategy, personal finance, family life, and much more. So if you're here for fun and easygoing ways to connect, laugh, and help each other, this community is absolutely for you. Drop in, see it for yourself. Um, and I'm in there as well, helping you with any hurdles or just questions you might encounter in your personal transformation. So uh, step by and have a look. I received already a couple of personal friend requests on Facebook after starting the show. I'm really glad about every new connection we make. But make sure you also come to the group rather than just connecting with me. Um, why is that? Well, it's simple. I'm not the only Christian out there. We're a community and it's so much more fun to tackle life together as a group of like-minded people, flourishing in life, sharing our light and love with the world and giving all glory and praise to God. So don't wait. Send a request to join the private Facebook group. The link is facebook.com slash groups and type in Moonshot Entrepreneur. I will also leave you the description in the link of this episode. 
Oh, no, not the description in the link of this episode. I mean, I will leave you the link in the description of this episode so that you will find it. Okay, so let's dig in to episode number five, Bible Hero Transformation Series on Moses. So what is my intention behind a series like this? Um, as you know, Moonshot Entrepreneur's tagline is God-led life transformation using courageous faith, strategy, and finance. And I think many people speak in today's world about life transformation, but I often feel that the world's solution is more about feeling good about oneself. I believe that life transformation in the Christian sense is quite different. And by that, I do not mean that we need to feel bad as Christians when we have life transformation. What I mean is that our life transformation um, has to be God-led. It is not something which relies on our strength, but relies on God's grace and mercy and generosity. And that is something which really is different in a Christian's life transformation. And I also believe that a Christian's life transformation is more thorough and more, um, how, how should I say that? How should I put it? It, it will involve all your areas of your life um, if you're open to this kind of transformation. Um, life transformation in the Christian sense brings all glory to God. We stand as God's trophies of grace in this world, rejoicing and drawing more people to Christ. So this kind of transformation is really different from the kind of transformation you might otherwise hear in this world. So Moses' life is certainly interesting and that's why I picked it. And we can see a lot of life transformation or God-led life transformation from Moses' life. We will see it today in the character traits of Moses, which God had given him from a young age. We will see how he was not able to bring any glory to God when he tried on his own strength. And we will see how God, um, no, sorry, not how God, but we'll see how some life experiences changed his outlook and taught him to walk closer with God. And we'll also see how God changed Moses in this experience step by step and how he stands now as a hero of faith in the hall of fame of God's children. So this is what we'll dive into in this episode. And I would like to start by sharing a scripture with you uh, from the New Testament. It's taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And this is what it says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I really love this verse and it sort of explains why I look to the Bible to illustrate this concept of life transformation. Whether we look at the New Testament or the Old Testament, everything is God-breathed. And the purpose of this book of, of the Lord is, or, or of this word of the Lord is um, that it is profitable for teaching, 
for reproof and correction and training in righteousness. So we, as we read um, the Bible, we should always remember that we are being trained in righteousness. Um, sometimes we read about really difficult stories where we wonder what, what the sense of it is. But at the end of the day, we can always look at it and see and understand how certain characters responded to God and how God responded to them. And at the end of the day, also the second part of, of the verse, which I just shared with you, is really important to me, um, which says that uh, why God is doing that. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So... Um, the purpose of all this is to equip us um, and to complete us for every good work which God has designed for us. So bearing that in mind, I chose to start this series with Moses because Moses underwent some typical stages of life transformation, which I believe are true for most of us. I think most of us at some point will go through these stages and these stages were certainly identical for me. And um, as you hear this episode, pay attention to the different stages Moses goes through and answer for yourself in which stage of life's transformation you might be in at the moment and ultimately where you would like to go. Okay, so let us start. The first stage I would call being unaware of God's hand in our life, yet loved, cherished, and guided by God. Um, and that being said, before I even start with uh, Moses, I, I just want to remind us that the Bible is not a collection of stories. This is not Spider-Man or the Marvel comics. This is real life. This man, Moses, really lived at a certain point in history, in a certain place, and was for real. And so um, when we read through the Bible, we should really bear that in mind. So the story of Moses is told in the biblical books of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. Um, but he continues to be referenced throughout the Bible and is most often cited in the New Testament. And if you'd like to get more familiar with him, you should start with the story of his birth in Exodus chapter 2. Let me just give you some backdrop to this story. The nation of Israel had ended up living in Egypt after a severe famine. And though they were foreigners, they contributed much to the economic welfare of the country they lived in, especially Joseph, but also generations after him. But after many centuries, nobody really remembered why the Israelites were there. So when the Egyptian pharaoh looked at the situation, he just saw a bunch of people, a bunch of foreigners, uh, really numerous because God had blessed them with many children, and he felt threatened. And so what was his response to this threat? He tried to suppress them. He oppressed them in many ways, um, even up to the point that he was willing to kill them. So one of his chosen strategies to deal with this problem was to throw their baby boys, Israelite baby boys, into the Nile River so that the crocodiles would take care uh, of it. Um, 
That's actually when we hear or read about Moses' mom. Uh, she, uh, poor she, hides her baby for three months from Pharaoh and his people. Uh, but she was a woman of faith and she knew that she had to take action. Uh, so after praying, uh, she waterproofed a basket, lay her little one in it and hid him among the reeds on the Nile River. And as we read this, we might really wonder where is God in this entire scenario? But the answer is actually quite simple. He's right there taking care of Moses, that he's not eaten by the crocodiles while he's uh, being hidden there uh, among the reeds. And not only that, God even leads Pharaoh's daughter to find the baby. Uh, and this might be the point where we wonder whether God's plan has gone all wrong. Uh, but no. Even though Pharaoh's daughter knew that this is a Hebrew baby, she adopts him. And my guess is that most probably she didn't tell her that, that he was Hebrew, but I don't know for sure. But anyway, um, not only did Pharaoh's daughter end up saving Moses' life, but God also saw to it that Moses' real mom ended up becoming his nanny. So this is more than coincidence. I mean, how else would Moses ever hear about his heritage or get to know his people, his culture, or uh, the, yeah, the, the Hebrew background or, or develop a love for um, the Israelites if he had never come into touch with them after going to um, or after being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. So... Um, God really is working here behind the scenes. But at this very first stage of his life, Moses might not be aware of God's hand on his life. Yet we see that his love cherished and guided by God. God has his life planned out and he sees to it that things play out well for him. Even though in this first stage, Moses' life is uh, full of hostility, his life is threatened, but he's protected. And he grew up as a prince in this palace, right under the nose of Pharaoh, who had actually tried to kill him. So Moses was really privileged. He ate um, choice food, had best clothes, education, all his heart could possibly desire. And this is certainly stage one of Moses's life transformation. Then we get into stage two, and that stage I call trying to achieve God's means in his own strength. So Moses grew up in the palace as a prince. He probably had some kind of authority to rule or speak up because he was not a slave like the rest of his people in Egypt. Uh, but Moses also had uh, this awareness of the situation not being right. We come across this um, quite quickly in Exodus that Moses is actually sad that his people are being oppressed. And I believe that God has certainly given him a burden for his people without him really knowing it or being very aware of it. So in Exodus chapter 2, we read, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. 
Now, I'll stop it right here. We see um, that Moses identified himself with the Hebrews, um, his own people. And this injustice really made him angry. And at this point, Moses was not mature enough to look to God. He just looked to his own self, to his own strength to solve the problem. So what does he do? Uh, we continue in the next verse and we read, Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Now, Moses might have thought that he's solving the problem, but actually he was not. I mean, was this action really going to change the situation um, for his people in a lasting way? And was he thinking that he was just executing the will of God? We don't know. I mean, of course, the heart of God was to free his people from this oppression. But he certainly had other means. And I think this is a perfect example of how we sometimes can get it really twisted. We pursue the glory of God's kingdom by creating pain or using means which just are not right. Instead, we should simply partner by God. Now, I don't know what went through Moses' mind. Perhaps he, put, uh, he thought to himself that he could put up with this regime um, until he becomes powerful himself, a powerful ruler in Egypt. Um, but I don't know. The desire to help and have compassion on Israel certainly was given Moses uh, by God. But that does not justify his actions. Moses didn't know it, but he actually needed God to fulfill that vision of a free Israel. I agree that this vision of a free Israel came from God, but the steps to that vision also had to come from God. And I think this is really a big lesson we have to learn in our life. Okay, and then as we read on, uh, we read this. The next day, Moses went out and saw two, two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? Now, let me stop right here. We see here another kind of quality in Moses' um, character. I think the desire to see justice done and judge between two who have a disagreement or a dispute, that was certainly in Moses' heart uh, from an early age on. And it seems to me that this too is a part of a unique blend of interests God had placed in Moses' heart, but it will not come into play until much later in Moses' life. Anyhow, uh, let me continue to read. The man said, this Hebrew who was confronted by um, Moses said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. So we see here, Moses' plan did not pan out. He killed that one Egyptian. The next day, he went about his business 
um, as he usually did. So he was really involved in the life of uh, these Hebrews or the Israelites. But then when he saw two Hebrews fighting and one hitting the other, um, he tried to uh, broker peace but was not accepted. And not only was he not accepted, but he also got aware that he's in trouble now. People know that he has killed someone, that he's a murderer. And Pharaoh was actually looking to punish him. And so there was nothing left for him. He just had to flee that place. And he had to leave everything he knew, the life he knew, the people he knew. He had to leave everything behind and just forget about this um, life up to this point. And that led Moses to stage three of his transformation. I call this giving up after failure or um, let's say not accepting the call. So as I said, a new phase starts in Moses's life, a phase of living in obscurity. He tends his father-in-law's sheep and is probably happy that he doesn't have to deal with anyone else. Yet I doubt that Moses was really feeling fulfilled at this point. Um, I believe that he led a happy marriage because we do not read anything negative about his relationship with his wife and his wife seems to be supportive of what he's doing. Um, and we also read that he seems to have a, a good relationship with his father-in-law and so with, with um, the people of his wife. He, But I believe that he also felt the pain of failure. He was just grinding on. Um, yet on one fine ordinary day, I must note it was an ordinary day, something really unusual happened as Moses was tending his sheep. Moses sees a burning bush but the bush is not consumed by the fire. So his curiosity kicks in and leads him to investigate uh, what is happening. But as he approaches the bush, he hears a voice. Uh, you know uh, how the story go goes. God has appeared to him in the burning bush. And there is this very interesting dialogue between God and Moses, which we find in the Bible. Let me read that to you. By the way, I'm reading from Exodus, if you're wondering where I'm reading. So, um, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He is saying this to Moses. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Let us stop right here. Um, I find this really quite an interesting dialogue because I feel there is a lot going on between the lines, uh, especially when we think of Moses's mental state as he is saying these words, who am I to go uh, to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Um, Moses feels like a failure. He has had the desire to do exactly what God says, to free the Israelites from their oppression. But when he had tried the last time, one Egyptian guy got killed. 
And from Moses' perspective, the Israelites were not even thankful for it. They were not accepting his leadership. It was a Hebrew who questioned him. Who has appointed you as a leader over us? And are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? So by this itself, he knows that he has been totally rejected. And besides all this, he might even wonder why he should bother. I mean, it's God's problem. It's not my problem. He might say to himself, I am a wanted criminal in Egypt. Why should I get into trouble? Why should I take the pain? Let God deal with the, with the issue. It's not my problem anymore. Of course, this is not the dialogue which is going on there, but this is what I imagine it to be. Um, but anyhow, uh, whether I'm right or wrong, God does not let Moses off the hook when he says that he's nobody to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. So God's answer to Moses is also very interesting. He is very short. He just says, this is God's answer to Moses. I will be with you. I mean, is this enough? Is it enough when God is with Moses? For Moses at that point, um, I think that word from God that he will be with him is not enough. And Moses throws excuse after excuse, question after question at God to um, really get himself out of this mission of helping the Israelites. So he says, suppose I go to the Israelite and say, Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And of course, God gives him a name and a sign. And then uh, again, Moses comes back and says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And then God uh, says, well, here I, I will show you how you can turn your stick into a snake. And that should be uh, a big miracle enough to uh, make them, to, cons to convince them. And then Moses comes back and says, well, God, you know, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So God is saying here, I've got you covered. But then Moses comes back again and says, please send someone else. Now you see here, Moses is trying everything to get out of the mission. And we're just told uh, in the end, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he'll be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and, is, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Now, what can we learn from this dialogue, from this back and forth between God and Moses? I think this is our key takeaway. God has given a, a vision to Moses. 
a desire to accomplish and even leadership skills to do it. He has given Moses the vision of a free Israel, an Israel which is not oppressed by Egypt. And he has given him also the desire to accomplish it, though um, Moses is not having that desire at the moment, certainly as he's arguing, but actually he has had a desire and it could be rekindled very easily. And Moses also has some good leadership skills as we'll find out later. So even though Moses messed up his mission or this vision the first time round by looking to his own strength, God was not ready to give up on Moses. Now, even though Moses is not interested anymore, God has not decided to change his plan. He still has planned this thing out and assigned a crucial part to play to Moses. And it's not Aaron, it's not anyone else. This part has to be played by Moses. And we see how God really insists on Moses playing his part. And so when you think about the mission or vision God has perhaps placed in your heart, just think about what he wants you to do. Maybe, I mean, there are chances that you might not feel very um, comfortable about that, but God has already planned it out. There is no way to uh, mess this up. Of course, you can mess it up temporarily, but at the end of the day, God will get you through that uh, to that ultimate goal by changing you uh, through and through. Now, that brings me to stage number four of Moses's life transformation. And I call this one growing into the role and being continuously transformed. And why do I even say continuously transformed? Because I believe that transformation doesn't stop. It doesn't stop or it only stops with your final breath. But until that point, we as Christians are bound to transform. We are bound to grow. We are bound to mature. We are bound to produce new spiritual fruit in our um, in our life through the help of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus, of God working in us. So, um, and I also think it would be really difficult to pinpoint at what point Moses accepted his call 100%. But we see that he accepted it at some point. But there were also certainly times where he struggled with his new role, but he was also blessed in turn with an outstanding, unique relationship with his God. And when we follow Moses through the several chapters, um, we not only see his personal ups and downs, but we also see how Moses is transformed by God with every experience he undergoes. There's certainly not enough time to cover everything in this episode um, about Moses, uh, I mean, I think we could write tons and tons of pages about Moses and would not finish. But I just want you to leave you with this uh, one thought. We, we seem to always remember Moses as this amazing guy who did everything right. But he actually, when we, when we really think about it, when we read this story again of Moses, we find that he, just like us, needed much help from God as well as from other people who gave him godly advice. And I would just like to leave you with two examples for this. Now, one example, the first example of needing God's help, of looking to God, um, is this. 
as you might know, the Israelites were in the habit of complaining and whining. And even though they got out of Egypt and God let them miraculously and very lovingly cared for them, they quite frequently would contemplate going back to Egypt. They would say that they had it much better there and they would really give Moses a hard time. It was really hard to be their leader and not something um, you would envy Moses for. Uh, the Israelites regretted that they were not in Egypt anymore because they liked the food better. I mean, just think about it. They just kept complaining and complaining. And Moses could see that they were getting into trouble by being ungrateful to God. And so we find this passage in Numbers chapter 11, uh, which says this, The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. I think he felt like a sandwich. But anyway, um, like being sandwiched, not like a sandwich. He felt like being um, sandwiched between two positions. And Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on me, your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes and do not let me face my own ruin. So this is really interesting. We see here that there were times where Moses really struggled in his role where he really couldn't bear the burden he had or God had placed on his heart. And sometimes he just felt uh, like he was dealing uh, or mediating between two parties, perhaps even. Um, but at no point, I think he saw the mistake with God. He just knew and understood that his people were not right. But in this particular passage, he is saying that these are not even his people. <laughs> he, he, is, he is saying, why do I need to babysit these people? But God very graciously um, says that he's going to provide uh, meat for them for a straight month um, until they can't stand it anymore. And we also see here that Moses has times of being really slow to believe, like many of us. He's looking to himself to provide the resources or the meat for these people. And so he says, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? The Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I will say will come true for you. Now, this is actually a classic example of the situation being really difficult for all parties involved. It was difficult for Moses, but and it was also, I mean, 
the the Israelites learned quite some hard lessons after that situation. But at the end of the day, God used it to help Moses grow in his faith and in his trust in God and also help him grow in his love and burden for the people of Israel. So this is what we need to remember. If God has put a burden and a love for something in our heart, he will also water it. He will help it grow no matter how hard the situation is. So this is one example I wanted to share where Moses had help from God to grow and to deal with the situation. And now I will share with you another example where uh, someone hands godly advice, where Moses is able to handle the situation much better. So in Exodus chapter 18, um, Moses' father-in-law pays him a little visit and he sees that at one point Moses is um, judging the case for uh, the disputes the people have uh, between each other and he is ha- he is really all day long busy from morning till evening he's just doing that he sits as a judge and while all the people just stand around him and hear um, these cases so his father-in-law gives him one good advice he says well this is going to wear you out let me just read the portion to you you and these people Uh, Moses' father-in-law says, will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So um, this is what we read about. Moses is really in a bad situation. Everything in his leadership hangs on him and Of course, he has the ability to judge every case, but what he is doing is not right because people will then depend only on him. And so his father-in-law gives him godly advice and says, listen, it would be much better if you gather a couple of really godly men that you train these people in how to deal with such cases so that they in turn can start to take and share the burden with you so that you just would really have to deal with the difficult cases. And so we see here that, yes, Moses had leadership skills God had given him, and Moses had um, the that desire for justice to be done. He had a good, a really good understanding of God's law and what God wanted of these people. He had the heart to follow God. But he also needed help. There was no way he was going to do this all by himself. And this advice, which came from his father-in-law, was really wise and godly. And so 
Um, this is certainly something we should remember that it is always good to get help from other godly people. So let me wrap it up for you. What is the whole point here and how can Moses' example help you? Um, as I mentioned before, godly transformation is not about self-fulfillment. And we see this in Moses' life too, that the beginning of transformation starts long before we even know it. Moses' first stage was full of coincidences, and I'm air quoting that because I don't believe these were really coincidences, um, and the experience he went through were not sheer coincidence, um, but the good, bad, and ugly were designed by God to bring Moses closer uh, to the man he is supposed to be. And after all, God had a much bigger vision than just freeing Israel. We must never forget it. Forget that. God's ultimate vision was to bring in Jesus, the Son of God, to save the world and Israel uh, to be the mortal nation who goes the first step uh, into bringing that about, into showing the people of this world what it means to be holy. That was God's original plan. And so we just see that Moses played a crucial role in this plan, but he was not... Uh, uh, how do I say, he's not the hero of the full plan. The hero of the entire plan is still Jesus. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not human beings. And so, uh, but God decided long ago that Moses would play a crucial role in this story. And uh, he decided this long ago, he gave him a unique blend of interests and experiences, as well as power and authority to do so and to play that part. So these are the four uh, stages. Let me wrap them up for you once more. First stage, we are unaware of God's hand in our life, yet we are loved, cherished, and guided by God. Second stage, we're trying in our own strength. Third stage, we fail and we might even give up altogether, not believe in that vision anymore. But that doesn't matter because God does. And when he does, it's going to happen. And then stage four, we accept that call. We grow into the role. We are supported and loved by God. And we are continuously being transformed. And then we come to the ultimate thing, which is that we start to desire God's glory. We start to give him all the glory for our life. So this is the takeaway. We are in God's boot camp and it is often a boot camp. But on the other end of this boot camp, we'll get closer to God's image and the way he wants us to be even much bigger and much more better than we could ever imagine our lives to be. So let me leave you with this prayer. Lord God, we thank you that you are the same from everlasting to everlasting. You are the God of Moses as well as you are our God. And you put these big dreams and visions into our hearts. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us desires and glimpses of what could be. Thank you for the good things and the things which have hurt us in the past. Help us not to look to ourselves. Help us not to waste time looking to ourselves. Help us not to give up. 
Jesus, I pray that you remind us to look to the Father to provide the strength and wisdom as well as the steps for this for the vision to be achieved. And please, Lord, give us friends and family who give us godly advice and point us to you. Holy Spirit, be our guide as we get transformed into God's image day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this helped you and blessed you. It was fun uh, to kick off this series. Um, of course, more characters will follow in the coming months, but I will also mix it up a little bit with other episodes. But just keep watching out. If you like this one, you will certainly also learn much more from the other Bible characters we'll look at. Um, don't forget to come and join the Moonshot Entrepreneur Facebook group. Let me remind you about that. Pause this episode right now and send a request. You will find the link uh, in the episode description. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Enjoy the rest of your week and stay wrapped up in Christ's love. Until next time. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you in some way, the number one way you can thank me is by leaving me a written review for the show over on Apple Podcast. I seriously am lit up every time I hear from you guys. So if this show has impacted your life in some way, just let me know about it. And here's the second thing you can do. Take a screenshot of this episode or of your review and go share it over on Facebook and tag me. God bless as you dare to make the change.